Welcome to Doctorate, the podcast of PhD candidates in the humanities and the social sciences at the University of Vienna. This is the place for communication and discussion about issues surrounding us in the world of science. We address the what's, why's and how's of our work and invite researchers from different disciplines to explore topics and ideas they and we deeply care about. Welcome to this month's episode of Doctorate. We are your hosts, Rasmus Waldemann and Ninja Buman. And today we're going to talk about parenting and PhDs. Uh, for many of us, our dissertation is our baby. But how is it to have a literal baby in the middle of your PhD? And on top of that, in the middle of the pandemic? Keeping a good work-life balance uh, might be a challenge for all of us, but what happens when you have an extra life to keep in the balance? And to discuss these questions with us today, we have our guest Kata from the Department of Eastern European Studies. And a part of being a mom to two-year-old David, she's doing her dissertation on the power and property relations in the Eastern and Southern Carpathians. Uh, so nice to have you here. Welcome to the welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for the invitation. In 2019, you, you started doing your PhD here at the University of Vienna. Uh, unsalaried, unpositioned, uh, just doing it for sort of your own uh, internal uh, motivation. And in 2020, right as the COVID pandemic hit, you learned you're pregnant, you're going to have a baby. How did that feel like? How was that feeling? Okay, okay so I felt that the, the whole world is collapsing. Um, but on the other way, I was also kind of happy about it and it seemed to be the most natural thing in life to become a mother and uh, yes the financial situation was not the best and uh, due to the pandemics uh, a lot of opportunities uh, were taken away from us uh, but uh, there was no question whether to keep him or not and now we are more than happy to have him mm. I can imagine there's a lot of things going through your head um, you didn't expect this. Uh, it sort of happens a bit suddenly, c combined with this like global change in, in our relationships. And uh, what what were the sort of the worries and the fears that went through your head? Did you think you would quit your PhD? What what were you thinking? Uh, I think I would have quitted my PhD if I uh, hadn't received uh, this position I am having now at the department. Uh, then things uh, would be different now, of course. Uh, but uh, since I was uh, hoping uh, to get any kind of funding or uh, position, uh, I didn't give up uh, working on my dissertation. And uh, of course, uh, there was this big, big question, okay, uh, who could take care of David when I was working? But uh, we learned about this possibility um, that there is this kindergarten at the university. And uh, once I got my position, we also got a place there for David. Did having uh, a baby somehow have an impact on your PhD research? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, concerning, for example, time management. Uh, because um, thanks to the fact that now he attends the kindergarten, uh, I only have a limited amount of time per day to work on my dissertation. And that means that I have to structure my time in a proper way. And when I'm in the office, I only work and uh, I cannot uh, get distracted by many other things. <laughs> Um, and uh, it, it also means, uh, of course, that um, I have to take in, uh, I, I have to consider um, always in advance whether uh, a conference uh, is worth to attend, whether I can attend a, a conference. Uh, or could you tell us maybe briefly how a typical day looks like in your family life? Okay, so I, I wake up at seven o'clock, then I uh, wake David up, I give him some breakfast, uh, then we go to the kindergarten, it is eight o'clock when I uh, leave him there, then I go to the office, it's 8.25, 
Then I start to work. Uh, I have uh, this semester also a guided reading course. Um, then it is uh, 1550 when I leave the office. I pick David up. Uh, if the weather is nice, we go to the playground. But since it's winter, we just uh, try to make the best out of our time at home. <laughs> Uh, when my uh, husband is in Vienna and uh, when he has time, then sometimes he picks David up so that I can stay longer in the office. Then we have uh, dinner at seven, then he sleeps around half past nine, nine. And then if I still have something to do for the day after, uh, I still work uh, or I just uh, go to sleep myself as well. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of impressive for me because like one of the things uh, that I associate with PhD life is like this Im immense flexibility you have. I can wake up in the morning and be like, well, I can stay stay in bed a little bit longer. Just mobilizing yourself in that way to actually get these things done. Uh, how do you, how do you feel your relationship to the other PhDs who are more like me, maybe just uh, staying in bed a little bit longer or, and maybe having the time to just, uh, yeah, go and uh, go and watch a movie in the cinema? How do you feel your relationship with your colleagues are? Well, I, I, I think that nevertheless, I have a good relationship to all my colleagues. Uh, some of them also have uh, children, not, of course, the younger colleagues who are still in their PhDs. Um, when we talk, then usually we talk about research, not about Netflix, <laughs> um, because I'm not really familiar with these uh, youth stuff anymore. Um, so you're not on TikTok? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not even on Instagram. <laughs> Um, but but uh, I feel that I'm integrated into the community and into the department. Mm. And, and I, I assume more of your sort of senior colleagues, like postdocs and professors, uh, share a more similar similar lifestyle to you now. Uh, do you feel that maybe that has brought you a little bit closer to some sort of senior academics as well? Uh, yes, I can say yes, because uh, they might uh, understand my position better than some of my peers uh, in, in, in the PhD. Um, and of course, it is always uh, good to um, to have some advice, not only academic advice, but also parental advice mm. from older colleagues. And how do you manage to differentiate between your role as a PhD researcher and your role as a parent? Is it even possible to differentiate between the two roles? Uh, it is. When I'm in the office, usually I don't think of David <laughs> <laughs> and I try not to feel guilty of it because I think it's um, it's important to to focus only on one thing at once. When I open the window at the campus, sometimes I hear children crying <laughs> who are walking by. Uh, then, of course, I remember David. Uh, when I'm at home with David, uh, then I, I, I don't have time to think about my dissertation or my uh, course or whatever is connected to academia. Um, so I think that uh, I, uh, I can keep these two things separated. Yeah, but I mean, this must have changed from uh, when he's a, a newborn, right? And he, he can barely he barely move, right? Just sleeps and sleeps and sleeps and then starts walking around. Uh, and then now he's in the kindergarten. How is these like phases that change very fast uh, in a way? How do these affect your uh, your daily life and your, your academic life? So when he was a newborn, of course, uh, we were both at home, my husband and me, and we could just work uh, uh, well, yes, uh, I, I don't say 
so much as we wanted because of course David needed us every now and then but he was sleeping or when he was uh, four or five months old then he was lying in his belly playing around and we could just work we could cook we could watch uh, movies and he was there but uh, nowadays it is not possible to do anything uh, when he is uh, playing around shouting around singing around and yes everything changed uh, changed uh, when he started walking mm. how did that feel like for you the transition between like having this kid who who who's just mining mining his own business in a way and then suddenly he starts mining your business and uh, maybe like uh, pulling down stuff and walking around and being uh, how, how do you how do you adapt to that change uh sometimes i he- i still have to uh, accept these changes <laughs> it's not me who uh, structures uh, my time but this little boss <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes i i cannot do 100 100% anymore and i think this is the, the for me this is the most difficult thing to accept uh, that uh, Uh, he's not a burden of course i would yeah. never never consider him as a burden but uh, he's a tricky boss he is he yeah. is uh, so uh, my daily life depends on him <laughs> for example he got sick uh, last week uh, i got also sick i got it from him that's why my noise is uh, still a bit uh, Uh, strange. Um, that means that for five days I was paralyzed, both mentally and physically. Uh, I was just staying at home with him uh, without uh, being able to think at research. <laughs> mm. So um, you sort of uh, you give up a little bit of your autonomy uh, in a way. Uh, exactly, exactly. Mm. <laughs> But do you think that you get enough support from the university, or what kind of support do you actually get? Uh, considering the university, uh, I am really satisfied with the support uh, because uh, we uh, we got this place in the kindergarten, and I think in Vienna generally one has to be thankful <laughs> uh, having a place in any kind of kindergarten. Um, however, I think things will be different uh, when I'm uh, when I one day will finish my PhD uh, while applying for a postdoc project then it will count uh, how many conferences I have attended, how many uh, peer-reviewed uh, journals I have published in, and um, they will see numbers. Uh, they will be interested in numbers, but not in the fact uh, how I spent my time uh, outside the academia. Mm. There's not much uh, impact factor of having a kid or like age <laughs> index doesn't um, isn't affected by uh, taking care of a, a kid and so forth. I think it depends uh, who is sitting in the commission or who is the reviewer. Do you feel like discriminated against or? Uh, not yet, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> Maybe uh, in the future. <laughs> Maybe, I don't want to be pessimistic, just realistic. Yeah. So speaking of academic mobility, are you even able to participate in international workshops or conferences or to go abroad for archival research? How do you manage with these situations? Well, when I apply for such things like conferences or research days, I, um, I always have to check whether my hus- husband is available to Uh, take after David uh, or maybe my parents as well but my parents uh, still work full time uh, my parents in law are elderly and have health problems so they are not flexible either so there are a lot of factors uh, that uh, should fit together <laughs> uh, when I go to the co- to the conference but it is possible yeah how do you feel like uh, having a kid has affected your planning of your future oh uh, it has affected a lot <laughs> Um, cons- uh, concerning such things like um, I don't know, renting a flat. Uh, we should um, uh, we should start considering moving to a new flat, for example, or also we should consider whether we would like to stay in Vienna. Because um, you gave your kid a pretty international name, so in that regard, you're. <laughs> 
gonna be fine. <laughs> yes, yes. I think it will not be a problem <laughs> because of his surname, at least. Um, but um, yes, uh, concerning future mobility, it might be tricky. Hmm. Are you planning to stay in academia? What is your sort of uh, attitude towards that? I uh, mean, obviously, you have some sort of ideas that you might want to do a, a postdoc or something. Yes, uh, I intend um, doing a postdoc. Um, it depends on many things, uh, how how my life uh, will look like after the postdoc, of course. Um, yes, as I have already said, uh, academic uh, competences um, are measured in numbers, mostly. Hmm. Um and uh, of course i also have to uh, make sure that uh, my writings have a good quality and uh, as i have pointed out uh, i cannot uh, make sure that um, i will um, um, i will do 100% mm. so you have already mentioned that there are some specific disadvantages for parents in academia but would you consider in general academia to be a family friendly field or uh, it is not. <laughs> it is not. Uh, because, for example, when there is a conference, even if it is in Vienna or a lecture, then uh, sometimes there are lectures in the evening. Then, of course, you have to make sure that someone takes care um, after your child. Um, and uh, as I have already pointed out, uh, planning life uh, is much more difficult now with the kid. Yeah, and, and you have parents and parents-in-law there are in different places than Vienna as well. So you don't really have this um, support network very uh, easily available. So I assume that's also a challenge to uh, having to plan all these like logistics, right? Exactly. <laughs> so my uh, parents are still young and work full-time and uh, they, are, uh, they live in Serbia. That means that... Uh, uh, they give me all the support, uh, f uh, psychological and mental support they can give. Uh, but of course, they cannot just uh, come over to take care of David if I want to finish a sentence. Uh, and my parents-in-law uh, are in South Tyrol. They are el elderly and uh, have some health problems. So uh, again, uh, they cannot do babysitting. So what you would you change specifically in academia to become more parental or family friendly? <laughs> maybe more unlimited contracts but of course you you cannot give unlimited contracts to phd students so i i don't uh, expect it of course uh, maybe more kindergarten places also for students who don't have positions at the university uh, because this uh, university kindergarten is um, uh, in theory open to everyone also to students not only to professors and assistants but until i was a student uh, i was at the bottom of the waiting list when I got this position, uh, then I uh, proceeded. Hmm. What would you do without the kindergarten access? Like, would you do you feel like you would be able to do your academic work at all if you would have to take care of the? Uh, uh, no, of course not. But uh, if uh, if we um, hadn't been given this uh, uh, university kindergarten place, then uh, we uh, we would have searched for another kindergarten in Vienna. But uh, maybe this kindergarten would have been in another district. But in this kindergarten, so it's a, it's a university kindergarten. So uh, all the all the kids there are uh, kids of academics. Um, do you feel like that's a, a, that's a good thing to have sort of uh, to share this uh, experiences with the parents of your uh, peers? The problem is that uh, most parents there, just like me, don't have much time to network. Yeah. <laughs> so we speak maybe uh, two, three times a year when there is some uh, Christmas event or a summer party or whatever. Uh, yes, yeah, sometimes we uh, we speak a few sentences about how busy we are. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> so, um, but 
how is it how is your interaction with other colleagues do you ever get like time to go to workshops or or, or conferences other places like uh how is that with with your kid at home or in the kindergarten uh yes i always have to check whether my husband uh, can um, take care of him or my parents maybe uh, but yes it is possible for example in uh, october i was in prague uh, at a workshop about the, about the carpathians but only for two days but uh, I tried to uh, bring uh, for David some present from Prague and it was this little mall. Yeah, you got this uh, little object with you today. It's a, if, if anyone's familiar with the, the little mall, it's a Czech uh, cartoon character. Very cute. I also remember it from my childhood. It's a very persistent character. Little mole with a red nose and uh, uh, in the cartoons he doesn't really speak or anything, does he? No? And you got a little plushie for him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I also showed him the cartoons and since then it is his uh, favorite uh, cartoon. And uh, since the mole doesn't speak, it is ideal for us to watch it together. So also my husband, uh, David and me, because uh, in this way we don't have to think about the fact, okay, shall we show now something uh, German to him or Hungarian? Mm. <laughs> uh, why, do you, why did you bring this object here? Why do you feel like that's a good representation of um, academic uh, parenting life? Because it is a little uh, present from a conference, and uh, I think uh, in this way I expressed uh, my uh, my feelings towards him. That uh, yes, I missed him, but I was also glad to to be able to uh, get get away from him so that I can do some things for academia <laughs> and also do something for him in the long run. I mean, you introduce him to his new favorite character. Right? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> So you said that you're speaking in German and Hungarian to David. So in what languages do you actually raise him and how does it go with it? I mean, I can imagine that this is also a challenge. I only speak in Hungarian to him and uh, my husband started uh, to speak to him in South Tyrolean. But since we consider that uh, for David, it would be better to learn first uh, proper German. Now he only speaks uh, Hochdeutsch, standard German to him. And uh, now, yes, he is now two years old. That means that he already knows a lot of words. Uh, some things he only um, he, he only uh, tells me in German, even though uh, even though when he when he tries to speak in Hungarian, and there are also some words that he only uh, tells in Hungarian, even when speaking to my husband. <laughs> Does this multilingual situation also have any connections to your research? Because I have heard that you can read and speak also many different languages. Um, well, not really, because I'm not uh, investigating these multi-ethnic relations in the Carpathians. Uh, I rather focus on uh, power, property, environment, how uh, the connections between mountains and flatland uh, have changed. Um, and uh, in this way, it is important for me uh, not to focus on the various ethnic groups because uh, I, uh, this, my study object uh, are the mountains. How does he interact with your research? I heard he's uh, not necessarily a big fan of... Uh some parts of it at least. Not at all. Uh, so uh, I used to have a map uh, of the Carpathians uh, on my bookshelf. And the first thing uh, David did when he uh, learned how to stand individually was to take this map off and to tear it into small pieces. So in this way, he expressed his uh, resistance against my research in general, I think. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a big, big fan of you going to the university and uh, sitting and working in your books and your computer and uh, <laughs> all these kind of things. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. You think you might be an academic one day? Uh, I hope for him not. Okay. No, he should be a carpenter or a plumber because we need these jobs. <laughs> yeah.
very pragmatic. <laughs> so we have heard that there are several downsides, like when having a kid while doing a PhD. But do you also experience any specific moments of happiness, like in relation to having a kid and doing a PhD at the same time? Uh, at this, so doing all these things at the same time, it is challenging. Uh, being at the academia is something good. Uh, but uh, raising a child is uh, something much more beautiful, I think. And um, uh, if I, um, I think at the end of uh, my life, <laughs> uh, I would have uh, regretted it uh, if I, um, if I didn't have a child. I think uh, very few people uh, lie on their deathbed and wish they spent more time on their PhD. But many people maybe wanted to spend more time with their kids. Uh, I think that speaks speaks volumes about the prioritizations <laughs> and differences, right? So, but is there any specific advice you would give to your peers who also have a child and either are already doing a PhD or would like to do a PhD at the same time? Uh, well, they should make sure that they have uh, support uh, from from the partner, from uh, the parents, from the parents-in-law. I have this support, of course, but in the distance. <laughs> it is not the same. Uh, but, uh, well, everyone can try it. Uh, you need uh, to be disciplined considering uh, time management um, and uh, yes you you shall not give up hmm. looking looking back is there anything you would have sort of done a little bit differently um, in relation to academic uh, the academic relationship with being a parent uh, yes I <laughs> I wish I uh, hadn't spent so much time on, on reading some specific kind of sources or secondary literature uh, because it was a waste of time but in the other hand uh, I learned what I don't want to do in my dissertation so you sort of uh, having a kid forces you to rethink and reprioritize also exactly outside of your personal life yeah no that sounds like uh, great advice I know um, I know well, I, <laughs> if I have a kid during my PhD, I will revisit this episode and, and listen, listen to it again to, to, to get some uh, just mental support maybe or to get some, uh, some advice. Uh, thank you so much for, for being here and sharing your experience. Uh, I, I hope you as listeners uh, enjoyed this episode as much as I did uh, and we'll see each other or <laughs> we'll hear each other again uh, in the new semester. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This was episode 7 of Doctorate, Parenting as a PhD. Thanks to our guest, Kata Tod. This episode was written and produced by Maximilian Brockhaus, Bernd Ström, Nadine Riegler, Ninja Buman. Editing and everything technical by Martin Pokorny. And today's episode was hosted by Rasmus Wardemann and me, Ninja Buman. Doctorate is brought to you by the Doctoral School of Historical and Cultural Studies and the Vienna Doctoral School of Social Sciences. It is created and produced by the School Fellows. Thank you.